Thank you, Gary. All right. Good morning. Oh, boy. I need a little more help than that. I know a lot of you are on vacation because you're here from Texas for spring break and you're tired. And I'm a little tired, too. So help me out here. Good morning. Yes, all right. That's the way we want to approach God's Word this morning. A couple of things before we read His Word this morning. One is, if you'll notice in your, on your pew there, there's some pieces of paper for you to fill out, those of you who uh, are, live here in Rodoso and attend Gateway, and that's a membership deal that kind of updates things. And in just a couple of minutes, some people are going to pick those up, and so uh, just hold tight. If, if you haven't filled it out, fill it out really, really fast, because I'm going to say a couple other things while you're filling it out, Okay. And uh, they're important too, but, but you can do two things at once. If you've been visiting Gateway for a little while, and maybe for the last few months, and you think you might like to place membership here at Gateway, the way we do that at Gateway is with Gateway 101. We don't just say, I want to place membership, and then we place membership. And I know lots of the Churches of Christ do that, but that's not the way we do it here. We go through Gateway 101, and uh, we just want you to know who we are. We put all the cards out on the table. So there's no surprises, and you know exactly who we are and what we teach and what we believe. And so there's a Gateway 101 coming up, and uh, I've told you lots of times before, the way we trick you into coming is uh, that we get you to get a green chili cheeseburger from Wyatt Sparks, okay? And so he's agreed again to make those, and that's coming up a week from Saturday. So on March 22nd, if you've been attending Gateway and you're thinking about placing membership, then I hope you'll plan to come to Gateway 101. Please let me know or Barbara know in the office, and that way we can get a head count. I'm going to ask all the middle school and high school students to come on stage right now. Move quick like you were moving to pizza. All right, here we go. Come on. Middle school and high school, come on up. Quick, quick. Come on. Quick. I, I, I don't have time. I got, I got 30 minutes, and people start throwing rocks at me. Come on. You're taking my 30 minutes up. Let's go. Uh, all right. These are a few of our teenagers. Come on up here. Stand up there and stand nice and tall. Look proud. Where's my son, Josh? He's helping. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, good deal. So I just wanted to tell you guys, I don't know why I just had this on my heart this morning, that all of us out here, all of us out here, we all know what you guys did this week. Like, we know, like, the struggles you had, and we know that you messed up, and we know you did stuff you shouldn't, and we know you stole the cookie out of the cookie jar, and you lied to your mom, or whatever, okay? We know all that, and here's the reason we know that, because we used to be you, okay? And we just wanted to tell you, all of us, all of us out here, on the count of three, wanted to tell you how much we love you. We're going to shout it to you, okay? Because we think you're awesome. Because you don't have to be perfect to be a Christian. You don't have to be perfect to be a part of Gateway. All right? As a matter of fact, if you are perfect, you can leave. You got to leave. You can't stay. Okay, you got to go. All right? So on the count of three, are you guys with me? What are we going to say? We're going to say, we love you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Okay, are you guys with me? All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. All right, thank you guys. We love you. Go pick up those pieces of paper that they're passing to the end of the aisles, all right? Help us. Yeah, go to the end, pick up all the pieces of paper that they got at the end of the aisles over here. All right, they're passing them in. All right, we're going we're gonna to get into God's Word here. We are in a series that we just started last week, and it's called Aha. 
And I told you that it, uh, some of these ideas come from uh, Kyle Eidelman, who's a pastor over in, I believe, in Tennessee, and uh, does a great job. He wrote a book called AHA, some of these uh, kind of the outlines for this series coming from him. And uh, so here's what our series looks like from Luke 15, AHA, coming awake, coming to your senses, and coming home. This is a series about, really ultimately, it's, it's, uh, it's from Luke 15, which is the parable of the prodigal son is what we're looking at, but probably better called the parable of a good father, a parable of a good God. It's about a God of second chances. It's about a God, as a matter of fact, if you've messed up 199 times, then it's about the God of second hundred chances. And if you've messed up 1,999 times, even if it's for the same thing, then he's the God of second thousand chances. Do I need to keep going on? If you've messed up 19,000, you know, do I need to keep going? I mean, how, how far could I keep going? The gospel says yes. The book of Romans says that where sin increases, guess what gets bigger? Grace. Amen. I'm so glad I heard you guys shout that out. That's awesome. Grace gets bigger. You know why? Because we have a God who says, you know what? When you've wandered away from home, when you found yourself in the pig pen, when you found yourself in the distant country, you can come home. Not once. And you won't only need to come home once. You'll need to come home a bunch of times in your life as you follow Christ. That's what this story is about. The reason it's titled Aha, it's an acrostic that we'll look at in just a second, but it's also to help us remember, Aha, there's something that was a realization, an understanding, a recognition that I realized the moment came when my eyes were open. You remember last week we talked about being blind and my eyes being open or, or being asleep and I finally woke up. That moment of realization, Aha, and it changes the course of our life. It can. It can. There are three ingredients to this aha that we see in the prodigal son and his story, and here they are. If you want to look in your bulletin and you like to fill things in the blank, you can do that this week. Three ingredients of aha. A sudden awakening, which is what we looked at last week. A sudden awakening. Then brutal honesty, and thirdly, immediate action. And if you only have one of these, then you just have ah. Or if you have two of them, you've got ah. But if you you got to get all three or you don't get aha. You don't get a change. You don't, you don't get that unless you get all three pieces of what the prodigal son got. Today, we're going to spend our time looking at the second step, brutal honesty. Brutal honesty. It's easy to tell lies. It's easy to be dishonest. It's difficult sometimes to be honest. And it can be very difficult to be brutally honest. I like the story I heard about a Bible class teacher. She was teaching the teen class, and so the teens are all in there, and she, she asked for the teens, would you please explain to us, somebody explain to us, what is a lie? What is a lie according to the Bible? And one brave teen finally raised his hand, and he said, a lie is an abomination to the Lord. And the teacher, she shook her head like, yes, they're getting it. And then he added, and it's an ever-present help in our times of trouble. Yeah. (laughs) 
indeed it can be, and uh, we're tempted to let lies instead of honesty be our way. God, thanks for uh, this morning. I really do thank you for those teenagers, God, and those little kids that were up here. And I pray for uh, their lives. I pray for their, their future. I pray for their tomorrow on Monday. I pray for uh, each day, God, that, that you would be guiding them and helping them, that, you would be, uh, that your Holy Spirit would be working in their lives in powerful ways. And uh, we thank you, God, that we get to watch them grow up and uh, that we get to grow up along with them as, as we're going along. This morning, God, as we look at your word, help us. This is a story all of us pretty much know, Lord, and so it's real easy to go to sleep today. It's real easy just to check out. It's real easy to think this isn't about me. And so would you help us, God? Would you help us to be disciplined, to sit on the edge of our seat this morning, to open our ears, and more importantly, our heart to your Holy Spirit and his teaching. In spite of me, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart and our heart be acceptable in your sight. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Our text today comes from Luke 15. We'll just, we led, read the first part of the parable last week, and then today we'll read 17, 18, and 19. When the prodigal son, when he came to his senses, that's the sudden awakening that we talked about last week. He came to his senses. When that happened, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out. I'll go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. See, last week, last week we talked about seeing, and we talked about waking up, and we talked about the dashboard lights going off and paying attention to those. Today, we're going to talk about speaking, because this part of the parable has, has the prodigal son done anything yet? Hasn't done anything. Still right in the pig pen. Right in the same place. He's come to his senses. And today what we're going to look at is he speaks. He speaks words. Now, here's the deal. The son, the prodigal son in this, in this parable has already spoke some words in the parable. We're going to go back and let's see, because we're talking about speaking. Let's see what he said earlier This is what he said. The younger son said to his father, spoke these words. Here they come. Father, give me my share of the estate. And like we said last week, surprisingly, God, who surprises us all the time, if we're paying attention, he divides up the property, knowing what this young man is going to do, his son's going to do, the one he loves, and he gives him permission to take his inheritance and leave. The son had probably been thinking these thoughts for a long time. In his brain. It wasn't like he just woke up one day and said, I think I'll get my money. He had probably for a long time been thinking, I'm sick of this. Work, work, work. All the time. That's all we ever do around here. My father's always got his thumb on me. My dad's always you know, telling me I need to improve in this and I need to work on that. And he disciplines me when I mess up. And I just, he's just in his head thinking, I'd be better off if I could just get out of here. He's been thinking it and thinking it and thinking it and thinking it. And it moved about four or five or six inches, depending on the size of your head, from right here down to his mouth. And it came out right here. And he spoke. And he said, give me my share of the estate. 
Those words that he spoke were the beginning of a very bad time in his life. Words are important. Words are powerful. Listen to what James says about words. Listen to what James says about your mouth, your tongue, your words. You ready? This is what he says. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Now, here's what he says. He's comparing these things to your mouth. Listen close. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take a ship as an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. There's something in our culture that says, if you're thinking it, you should just say it. Our culture just kind of has that. Like, I mean, you got to be real and you got to be honest. And so if you're thinking it, but you're not saying it, then you're being a hypocrite. So if you're thinking it, you just need to say it. Let me tell you, I've had people say that to me. And when they were saying that to me, let me tell you what I was thinking in my brain. Stupid. That's what I was thinking. I didn't say it. I was just going to wait and say it to you guys in public, all right? James compares our words. Look what he compares them to, to bits in the mouths of horses. I mean, this huge animal and this little small, comparatively small thing in the mouth. So, so he's saying your mouth is small, but it's so powerful it could move. It's like moving this horse. Or it's like a rudder on a ship, a very small rudder. It's small, but it has huge effects. The whole ship turns in the water. The whole thing moves like this by one small thing. He's comparing that to your words, your tongue, your mouth. He says a, a fire. A small, he says your tongue is like a small spark. It's tiny, but it's capable of destruction. See, that's your tongue. Your tongue can change. I don't know if you've ever thought of this or not before. I want you to think about it for just a minute. Your tongue can change the whole course of your life. The entire course of your life can change by your mouth. That's what James is saying to us. And some of you need to hear this today because your life is moving in a bad direction. Or it's about to. You're coming up to a crossroads, and whatever your mouth says could direct where it goes. Some of you are sitting in the ashes of a ruined life of a forest fire. And I don't mean the literal one we have here. I'm talking in symbolically. And for some of you, the reason that that's true is your words. It's because of the things you said. It's because of the way you talk. It's because of the things you choose to say every day. And so in the name of Jesus, with all the love I could have in my heart for my church family, and for some of you that I don't know from Texas that are here on vacation, I really, you just have to trust me, I'm really saying this with love. Shut up.
think before you speak. Count to 10. Some of you are going to need to count a little higher, all right? If only the prodigal had a friend like John Duncan who would have said, dude, I know you've been thinking that, but shut up. Don't say that. Don't let those thoughts that are coming out. No, don't say that to your father. If only he had had a friend like that, but he didn't, I guess, or he didn't listen because the prodigal opened his mouth and he said nine words, nine words. Father, give me my share of the estate. I mean, what's the big deal? Small, nine words, no big deal. Change the whole course of his life. Nine words. Here are some words that we all might be tempted to say at times in our life, perhaps. Not very many, no big deal, but it can take you to the pig pen. It can take your life, change the course, and take it to the bottom. Four words. I want a divorce. Four little words. Now, if you stay married long enough, there might come a time, not not everybody, but there might come a time that you might think those words in your head, but you don't have to say with your mouth the things that will change the course of your life. You can choose to shut up. Or you can choose to pray those words to God instead of saying them out loud. Three words. Your friends say, no one will ever find out. No one's ever going to find out. Nobody will ever know. They'll never know about this. And you say these three words, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, you're kind of in the moment and you're like, You only live once, I mean, and you just think that and you go, let's do it. And those three words just could change the whole course of your life. One word somebody calls and says, Man, we're having a huge party this weekend. Everybody's gonna get drunk. You coming? You gonna be there? One word. Yes. You don't think about it. You're just like, I wanna be cool. This is my friend. I want. Yes! could change the whole course of your life. One word. With social media today, it doesn't even take a word coming out of your mouth. An invitation shows up on your Facebook from an old boyfriend, an old girlfriend, who says, let's be friends. You got several hundred friends, what's the difference? No big deal. And you just take the little mouse over and you click the word accept. could change the whole course of your life. One word. See, words were the beginning of messing up this prodigal's life. And some of you are on the verge. You're right there. You're at this crossroads. And I'm here in the name of Jesus to say today, think before you open your mouth. Now, that's kind of heavy and sort of a downer, all that stuff I just said. You know, it's like, woohoo, great, glad we came to church today. Let me tell you this here's the good news. Here's the good news about the other side of this truth. And that is, words are so powerful, they could steer your life back in the direction 
that is supposed to be going. That's what happened to the prodigal. Words are what started steering his life back on course. Because look at what the text we just read says. When he came to his senses, he has the wake-up moment. What did he do? He said. He spoke words. Who's he talking to? Pigs? There's nobody out here. Who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. Tells himself the truth. And that's the second step, isn't it, of aha, is brutal honesty. Brutal honesty. Now, sometimes I do this with myself. Sometimes I actually speak to the mirror. I mean, I, some, I'm serious. Sometimes I'm looking at I'm like, really? Are you, are you serious? What kind of moron are you? Are you ever going to learn, you stupid idiot? I'm saying a lot of like words that little kids maybe aren't supposed to stay at home. So little kids, if you're hearing me say these words, you know, talk to your mom and dad about it. Context, all right? It's all context. I'm just looking in the mirror, you know, and I'm saying this stuff to myself, and I'm just ripping myself to pieces sometimes in the mirror being brutally honest. Am I the only person who talks to the mirror? <laughs> May need the elders to pay for some counseling for me or something. I don't know. But here's the question. Do you ever speak harshly to yourself? You ever speak harshly to yourself? I mean, it's honest. That's good. It's brutal honesty. But I speak sometimes to myself like I wouldn't speak to anyone else in the world. I wouldn't even speak to some of my enemies that way. I just wouldn't. When we have these sudden awakenings, it's important to be brutally honest. But it doesn't mean that we have to be mean or hateful to ourselves. You don't have to do that. God's not mean or hateful towards you. You don't have to be that way to yourself when you're honest. Listen to Paul's instructions about how we ought to speak. Listen to this. He says, Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. He says, look, we can be deceived. We can be pulled off. I mean, all that schemes, and we can be like this person who's just thrown around. We can be a mess. Yeah, that can happen, and we have to look ourselves in the mirror and be honest. But he says this, Instead, speak the truth in love. Yeah, be honest. But do it with love. We need to do that for each other. We do that for everybody around us, including ourselves. And guess what will happen? Then in all things we'll grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Well, here's the ways the prodigal was brutally honest. First of all this, he was honest about his circumstances. He said this is reality. Reality is defined as the state of things actually as they exist. And it can be hard to admit sometimes. What is reality? It's hard to speak the truth about our circumstances, to admit this is where I'm at. This is where I, I'm, I find myself here and to speak those words. The prodigal son spoke these words right here. This is the honest words, brutally honest, that he said about his situation. Here I am starving to death. That's my circumstances. He didn't lie to himself anymore. He didn't try to sugarcoat it anymore and say, I'll probably be okay. Some food will come along. That's not that bad. He just told himself the truth. I'm starving to death, and I wonder if you'd be willing to be honest today about your circumstances. I wonder if you'd be honest enough to admit that you may be starving to death. 
Obviously, none of us are starving to death physically, but is there possible, is it possible that your heavenly Father has given you the gift of something in your life? He gave it to you, and it's an area in your life that you're just neglecting so much it's starving to death. Or it's in the mud, or it's in the pig pen. What about your prayer life? What about your prayer life? What a great gift from God that he said, hey, all of you human beings, anytime you want to talk to me, any place, about anything, any way you want to say it to me, you just lay it out there. What a gift from our Heavenly Father. But can you remember the last time you picked up the phone of prayer just to talk to your Father? Just to talk. Just to be together. I mean, I know you sent him a text for stuff that you needed real quick, or you shot him a quick email about when you were in trouble, but I'm talking about picking up the phone with your Heavenly Father and just visiting. When's the last time that you did that? Or is it possible that that area of your life of prayer is starving to death? Or maybe it is dead. Thank God he resurrects dead things. Maybe it's your marriage or your family. God gave you this person or these people. But honestly, you've quit feeding the relationship and it's starving to death. Would you be honest about it today? Your finances. God provides, doesn't he? But if we're honest, you just have to say the whole thing is out of control. The situation is going to look bleak very soon. Your finances are in the pig pen. Would you be honest about it today? This is my situation. This is where I'm at. Your health, God gives all of us a body, but are you starving your body? I'm not talking about food. Are you starving your body of what it needs? Your body needs rest. Your body needs healthy food. Your body needs exercise. Is your body starving to death? It's a gift God gave you. And it takes some courage to be brutally honest about our circumstances, to speak that truth to ourselves in love. The second thing that the prodigal did, as far as being brutally honest, is he was honest about his responsibility. He said, I have sinned. Notice he didn't say, I've sinned, but my dad was so permissive. You just don't know. I mean, it was crazy. I was just, I, I have sinned, but if she would just, I have sinned, but he never, I have sinned, but my employer is, well, he's just crazy. I, I have sinned, but they made me so angry. See, we're quick to say, I have sinned and add the word, but. And the prodigal son didn't do that. He said, I have sinned. And I wonder if you'd be honest enough to practice what we're talking about today. I wonder if you'd be honest enough to say the same thing that the prodigal son did. I wonder if you would be honest enough to say the words out loud, I have sinned. Because I'm going to give you that opportunity here in just a couple of seconds. What is it in your life? What is, what is the place that you are struggling in your life? Where is it? 
Can you be honest enough to say it out loud, to speak the words? I'm giving you the, the chance on the count of three, I have sinned. One, two, three. I think it takes a lot of courage to say I've sinned. It takes honesty to look at the reality of where we are and fess up to the fact that part of the reason I'm where I'm at is because I have sinned. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against people in my life. Sometimes we just want to handle only one or the other. Like, oh, I'll just go tell him I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Hey, no big deal. You know, it's all cool. I'm sorry. And then we just go on as if it's no big deal. And it is a big deal. Or, or we don't even want to talk to whoever we hurt. We just want to say, oh, God, forgive me for, you know, ruining that person's day or their life or whatever. You know, just forgive me, God. And then we just want to go on because I don't want to mess with the relationship. But the prodigal son said, I've sinned against you, God, and I've sinned against my father. And he's going to deal with both. The third thing he does that he talks that he is brutally honest about is what he deserves. He says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He's not even talking to his father yet. He's talking to himself. He's just saying the words out loud. I'm not even worthy to be called a son. He knows the things he's done have disqualified him. Paul talks about this in Romans 3 when he says, All of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And and then he says in Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. This is what we deserve. Until we come to a place where we humble ourselves and acknowledge that's what we've done and that's what we deserve, we're not going to experience the freedom and the joy of God's salvation. We're not going to experience, aha, Yes, change. One of the reasons it's so hard, I think, to do these things is because pride gets in our way. Back in the Old Testament in Obadiah chapter, or verse three, it says the pride of your heart has deceived you. The pride of your heart has deceived you. That's what pride does. Pride blinds us. Pride keeps us from opening our eyes. Pride keeps us, as we talked about last week, continuing to hit the snooze button. That's what pride does. Pride keeps us from speaking the words. Other people can see it, but we're not willing to speak honestly about the reality. So as we finish today, we're just going to try to be brutally honest. And I'm going to ask you some questions. And they're pretty specific questions. And they're not all the questions. I, I had a bunch of them, but I just kind of whittled this down for time's sake to a few. They're specific because when, when I ask myself a specific question, it's harder for me to deceive myself. So this may feel a little uncomfortable for you if you actually listen and participate for the next couple of minutes, but I, I just want you to take a look in the mirror. I want to give you that opportunity. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to drop a huge amount of guilt in your lap. I'm not trying to do that today. I want to give you a chance to focus on reality. I want to give you a chance to have your own personal checkup between you and God. 
And so if you want to, you can close your eyes and you can bow your head for just a minute and you can think about these questions as I ask. Did you spend more time this week on Facebook than you spent in prayer? How have you specifically helped a person in need within the last month? When was the last time that you said these words to somebody, I am wrong, please forgive me? And who needs to hear those words from you today? What's recorded on your DVR at home or what's on your computer's history? When was the last time your family heard you pray out loud on their behalf? Can you name one lost person that you're praying for? What is the last Bible verse that you memorized and hid in your heart? Did you spend more money this month on eating out? than you did on things directly related to the kingdom of God. How many years have you promised yourself, this part of my life is going to change, but it hasn't? You can open your eyes if you, if you had them closed. And, and I just want to finish by saying I know those questions are not very fun. And not many of us probably feel very good about ourselves after a list of questions like that. And you can put my name at the top of the list of people who don't feel so good about myself when we ask those questions. And honestly, I'll tell you this. Most churches wouldn't even take time during a service to ask you to think about those questions. But the purpose is like the scripture that was read this morning. Paul said to the people in Corinth, look, I I know I hurt you with the things I said. And he said, yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. So if you feel, after listening to those questions, if you were participating, and if you felt sorry, or if you felt guilty, or if you felt bad, don't just feel sorry, or bad, or guilty. Don't do. Don't leave here today with those feelings. Repent. Bring those things to God. Ask the Lord to forgive you today. Remember that He's the Father that we're going to begin to talk about next week that runs to you when you take a step His direction.
Remember he's the God of second thousand chances. Remember that. And bring these things to him. Today, if you need to confess your sin, today, if you need to accept Jesus as your Savior, today, if you need to be brutally honest with yourself, today, if you need a church home that will challenge you to walk in these ways we've talked about, today, if you need to come home to your Father in any way, that's why we have shepherds at this church, to help us walk back home. And they're going to be here at the front and in the back to pray with you. If you're ready to be baptized today, you come find me. Let's stand and let's sing. Who at my door